Welcome to episode 11 of the Dynasty Locker Room Podcast. I'm your host, Nation, and today we'll touch on some of those middle-round players uh, for your fantasy baseball drafts, looking at uh, overall rankings about 50 to 150. With me today to discuss that, I got Test Monster and Tyler. Test Monster, why don't you let us know what you've been up to? Yeah, we've finally uh, wrapped up all the prospect talk here on the Dynasty Locker Room, ran through all six divisions, uh, tackling prospects for fantasy number one through 15 in each division uh, clearly saw that there was definitely a discrepancy in some divisions versus others uh, AL East being stacked AL West being kind of thin so it was kind of fun to take a, a little bit of a different look at it outside of a top 100 perspective and speaking of the top 100 we finished that too so uh, we finished a write-up on that earlier this week uh, that's out at the Dynasty Locker Room but really excited to move full steam ahead into the baseball season with you guys. Definitely uh, fun to see all of those wrap up and looking on to the regular season for baseball and being able to talk about kind of in-season adjustments coming up. And uh, Tyler, what do you got going on? What have you been up to? You know, not a whole lot going on. I've been doing a lot of my baseball drafts, so uh, a lot of focus has been going towards that. Uh, excited to uh, continue with this top 300 uh, breakdown, especially with our uh, DLR league starting up and, you know, I'm excited to dive in and talk about that a little bit. But uh, right now, uh, just finishing up my boom and bust articles and uh, hoping to start, uh, you know, here in a couple of weeks, once the season starts to talk about free agent uh, pickups and guys you should be targeting that might not be uh, rostered in your league. Most definitely. And that speaking of that DLR league, uh, that is something that we're currently drafting right now in a nice slow draft. We got 12 teams here. Uh, we're currently in round eight. Test Monster, what do you like about your draft so far? Uh, you know, I, I didn't know what to make of it at first. I, w I wasn't super excited about going 10th. Uh, had a bunch of hitters that I loved to go right ahead of me. was hoping Bryce Harper would fall, but luck was not in my favor. Uh, went with Corbin Burns, and since then, uh, it seems every time I think about drafting a pitcher, one gets taken ahead of me, and I'm left with a hitter that I love. Uh, you know, can't can't complain too much about my draft so far. Uh, got a nice blend of uh, power, some, uh, you know, run RBI categories. Was jacked to get Cedric Mullins in the fifth round. Should be a nice blend of uh, steals and home run power and double dip in there in the sixth with Tyler O'Neill. Pretty excited about uh, my speed and power numbers and, Looking forward to rounding that out with some pitchers. Should be uh, a contending roster that I'm excited to dabble with, especially since it's such a different profile that I than I usually go with. Well, I hope you weren't ready to give up on your team here in round eight of the draft already. That'd be um, embarrassing. Tyler, speaking of going into round eight here, what do you think about your team? Yeah, I can say just comparing my team to uh, Test Monsters, I think he could easily give up here in round eight because uh, – Man, I, <laughs> I'm ready to uh, get halfway point and see him in my, uh, you know, tell or him see my tell lights here because uh, I really like the, you know, I took a different approach and I, I think I reached a little bit on Shohei Otani, but in a daily league, I was pretty excited to be able to use him from that starting standpoint and then also be able to, you know, after his starts, put him in my lineup. I, you know, unlike. Test Monster, I didn't really go with a ton of speed outside of Whit Merrifield and Otani, but I went with a ton of power. You know, I, I was able to nab up Eloy in the, the seventh round, which I was pretty excited about. Between Cassianos, Eloy, Matt Olson, and Otani, I'm pretty excited to see where this uh, sort of shapes up here going off, you know, going forward. 
Yeah, definitely a uh, another hitting centric approach. And I, I guess I copied you all here at, at pick five with uh, going hitters for my first six picks um, in this draft here. So getting um, just a lot of power and pretty much ignoring everything else with with Vlad and Story and Abreu and Jordan Alvarez. Uh, really excited to get uh, Tatis in the fifth in a head-to-head -head league. Uh, that's definitely going to be a, a second-half player that could uh, bump up my wins and make me a, a real strong uh, hitting team, being able to have kind of that number one overall player um, in the playoff push if uh, this team somehow makes it there. Uh, but as we move forward, we'll definitely see what happens uh, with starting pitching. Looks like we all uh, are lacking there in starting pitching and uh, relief pitching. So it'll be a fun shape up to the next uh, five to 10 rounds here going forward. But enough about our draft. Let's dive into kind of these middle round players here on uh, the 50 to 150 overall. And let's go right to DJ LeMahieu. We have him at 146 overall. Uh, me and Test Monster got him in the 130s. Tyler, you got him up at 170. Test Monster, I try to kick everything off here with why you uh, like DJ LeMahieu this year and moving forward. This one is really intriguing to be in this range, if only because you can reasonably expect some kind of a rebound. I don't think any of us think that he's a 268 hitter with a 711 OPS, um, especially in that Yankees lineup. I, I think uh, some stock has to be given to some kind of a rebound, and we've seen him hit for you know a 300 career average. So a 268 average in his age 32 season seems like a very stark contrast for me, especially when you take a look at some of the the numbers that kind of played into that, like a really low BABIP, uh, despite, you know, a pretty decent expected batting average and other advanced metrics. So I think that's going to play into his favor this year and somebody I really like, uh, you know, in contrast to some of the other players that we have around that range, um, especially given his positional versatility. We've seen him line up all around the infield. I think that gives a little credence to some additional value here. And if he can climb a little bit closer to that, I don't know, 15, 20 home run mark and give some nice counting stats, maybe 100 runs and 75 RBIs. I think there's a ton of value to be had in this range. You know, I, I, I if, if I did a yearly league with DJ, I would easily rank him up much higher. I mean, obviously, age is playing a factor when you're thinking from a dynasty standpoint. So there's guys you know, like a Tristan Cassis, Nick Gonzalez, I, I just value a little bit higher. And that's why, you know, I was able to slide him down. And I do think the decline is a little bit of a concern of mine. That player or that position flexibility, though, is extremely nice when you're looking at first, second, and third base. But, uh, you know, we look at his decline, and and I actually am of the belief that his OPS isn't going to jump 800. I mean, he's roughly a career 750 to 800 OPS. And on the de decline, it, it is a little bit concerning for me. He's lost his speed. So that's in a roto league that's out the window and the RBIs aren't going to be as much of a factor. But he does score a lot of runs. He still does have the power. And I think 15 to 20 home runs is a real possibility. But uh, I mean, big fan. I just, I had to drop him down below some of those guys. Yeah, it definitely seems like a safe player to pick in here where you kind of know what you're going to get, uh, even if you're not looking for a, a big rebound here. Um, but I do think of this as a safe floor with that position uh, flexibility, being able to round out kind of your roster and give you some options when you're looking to to take some of those dart throws a little bit later in the draft. 
So that's why I have him up a little bit higher, um, being able to kind of know you're getting runs, know you're going to get some sort of RBIs, and then be able to uh, stay with a pretty solid average and get that flexibility moving forward in your draft. Uh, seems like a pretty safe uh, floor for me to want to uh, kind of fill out the middle of my my roster here. Test Monster, anything you want to say here? Yeah, I mean, I, I guess I, I want to get into it a little bit with Tyler here just because I'm wondering what he's seeing that I'm not seeing that could suggest that he can't, you know, replicate some kind of 800 OPS play when we're seeing his expected numbers, you know, well above league average. His average exit velocity is in the top 25 percentile. His hard hit rates in the same range. So I guess I'm wondering what I'm missing here that would suggest that he can't be that type of player that can be a, provide nice value in this 140 range. Yeah, I mean, I think he does provide a nice you know, value like like Nation said with that play, uh, that position flexibility. But I mean, three out of his eleven years, he's put up you know over eight hundred OPS, and we've noticed that you know his stats have declined a, a little bit over time. I mean, he came to New York, yeah. I mean, we saw him put up a three twenty seven, three sixty four batting average, but we all were of the belief that that wasn't sustainable, and we sort of saw that regression a little bit. I mean, that three sixty four batting average was only across fifty games in a shortened season, so. I think that was a little bit skewed, but, you know, he's never been, you know, one to put up huge RBIs. So I just think, you know, if you're trying to get a player that's going to hit a lot of those roto categories, I just think there are players, you know, in front of them that, you know, are going to be a little bit, you know, easier to hit more of those categories. So I just, I mean, when you're putting names on the board at this range, you could easily swap out certain names. And I just, 32, 33 years old, and we're seeing a little bit of a decline. I'd rather take a younger player that might have a little bit more promise, you know, for a long longevity standpoint. Yeah, I mean, it's fair to it's fair to bank on upside, and I totally understand that standpoint. Uh, looking at it from a similar lens, uh, I guess I'll counter that by saying, okay, well, I'll give you the 2020 small sample size, but if you look from 2015 to 2019, he's a he hit 313 with an 818 OP. 818 OPS, yes, over that span with 50 steals. I mean, we're, we're going to see the steals drop. That happens with everybody as they age. But I, I guess I'm not seeing any indication that he can't return to being a 300 hitter when all of the batted ball metrics suggest that he's hitting the ball the exact same way and ran into a little bit of bad luck when he was hitting last year. So that's what I'm seeing. And I guess that kind of justifies the value for me where I might take – four or five more good years out of a really good batting average and counting stats in this kind of a lineup. Yeah, I mean, it, to your point, yeah, I mean, that 2015 to 2018, he had some great numbers, but albeit that was in Colorado. Now, that being said, his lineup that was around him wasn't as good as what that lineup is in New York. So it sort of, to me, cancels out that, you know, he has more bats around him, but he's not batting in Colorado. So it's just, I think that ages that, new factor that's coming into play for me that sort of cancels everything out. And uh, yeah, I mean, I, I see where you're coming from and I could easily make a point to throw him up 20 spots or, you know, keep him where he's at in my list, which is right around that 170 marker. It'll definitely be interesting to see this play out, I guess, in that lineup. We'll be able to to see kind of that run toy he puts up, especially if he goes back to uh, a 300 plus hitter um, at the front of that lineup, you could easily be seeing 110, 120 runs out of him uh, this year and for the next couple of years. So it'll definitely be something to look forward to um, moving forward here. 
For the sake of curiosity, I, I do have one more question. We see a guy like Jose Altuve, who we have in the 75 to 80 range, who's of a similar age. So are, are we seeing something different here? Uh, maybe we should maybe, maybe this is a point of discussion for us since they're at they're at the same position. What are we seeing different in Jose Altuve's game that kind of bolsters him over somebody like uh, DJ LeMahieu, who's at the same stage in his career? Yeah, I, I mean, for me, and I don't want to beat on it too much. It's it is, you know, he has done it at the same location. He's he he's posted a higher career batting average. Uh, he's close posted a higher career OPS. Uh, I, I mean, it, when, you, when you think about it, it's just, he's just been a little bit more consistent. And I, I just have to go for the consistent factor. And he also actually has put up more average RBIs per season. He's put up more average runs per season. So he's just, he's got that edge. I mean, age, yeah, is a huge factor, but he just has hit those categories a little bit more. And he's also stolen more bases. So on a, in a roto league, he's just hit, checking all the boxes for me. I mean, nation, you can feel free to jump in here too. But I, I guess what I, what I'm seeing is somebody who's also similarly regressing. I mean, you know, fewer steals since 2018. I think he's got maybe 13 total steals over the last three years. I mean, the, the home run production can't be denied, and it's excellent for somebody who's, you know, heading into their mid-30s. Um, but we're, we're also seeing that batting average not hang around that 330 mark like he used to earlier in his career versus somebody like a DJ LeMahieu. I expect that to rebound. So I, I, I think for me what I'm seeing ultimately is somebody who is hitting in that better lineup. Uh, you know, DJ LeMahieu's in a great lineup too, but he's also not hitting, you know, in a three or four spot in that lineup. So that RBI production is not going to be as good like Tyler mentioned. Uh, the other thing I see here is, Definitely a lack of slugging. I mean, DJ LeMahieu, probably good for 15 or 20 home runs, but what, what's that double mark going to be? What's that stolen base mark going to be? So I, I would agree. He checks more boxes. Um, it's it's just interesting to see, you know, the, the different places that these guys are at for being at the same age group. Yeah, you see the same age group, but I see kind of players who, who do it a little bit differently. Altuve. Uh, started his career, obviously stealing a lot of bases, getting on base at a high rate, and has transitioned into uh, 30 plus home runs. So I think when you look at kind of their run potential, you're going to see pretty similar between Mahay, DJ LeMahieu and El Tuve. When you look at the RBIs, you have to expect El Tuve uh, to get into the 90 plus. I know he only had uh, in the 80s last year, but uh, hitting in the middle of that lineup is going to have the potential for some RBIs there. And then he's definitely going to have uh, more home runs than DJ. So it seems like a pretty easy. Uh, route to move him up, uh, I don't know, 30 spaces uh, to be able to kind of hit on all those categories again but and not expect any stolen bases. But it does kind of come from that same vein to me of uh, DJ LeMahieu and why kind of we have him up a little bit higher than Tyler does is you're going to still get uh, production out of him and be able to hit most of the categories and be able to kind of build around him in the middle of your lineup there as you can go take some dart throws later in your draft um, when you have that safe floor or that safe veteran that's going to get you three or four more solid years. And let's move it right along to Joe Adele. We have him ranked at 130, and we're all uh, roughly in that rankings. Tyler, why don't you kick us off with one of your uh, favorite prospects being from your Angels over there? 
Yeah, I mean, this is someone who has just not quite lived up to the hype that we thought he would. We thought he'd be, you know, up at 21, which he was, but man, that hit tool did not transfer over. He was struggling. He striked out 55 times in 38 games. It was sort of ugly to see. And if you guys remember, I mean, he had uh, he had two home runs that year, bounce off his glove and go over the fence. It was just like, you know, we thought this would be a defensive guy that would steal a lot of bases, put up a good amount of home runs. And then in 2021, he finally came up another 35 games and sort of stabilized a little bit, but uh, still had a low average that hook tool wasn't quite transferring over. But the experience obviously was building. His defense looked a little bit better. Uh, through spring training, we've seen that success sort of transfer over. You know, if you're, if you're a believer in Adele like I am, you in a roto league, you know you're going to get someone that could easily steal 15 to 20 bags and put up 15 to 20 home runs. And I think that is on the conservative side in my mind with the home runs. I think he has, you know, good power potential. He is going to strike out a lot, but uh, I think that hit, the hit tool, the power, the speed's all going to play. So uh, at a guy that's only 23 years old, you're going to get quite a steal here. Yeah, I mean, when you said Adele, I thought of the music artist because someone like you is exactly what we all need Joe Adele to be. Um you know, we've talked about him for years with that prospect pedigree. And as Tyler mentioned, he he just failed to make an impact in 2020. But we definitely saw a revamped Joe Adele last year. Um, e even though the batting average wasn't fully there, we definitely saw him make a mark. Uh, his average exit velocity was was way up. His barrel rate was up and it translated into success on the field. Um we're, we're still waiting to see that launch angle climb. Uh, definitely a guy who uh, hit a lot of ground balls last year, 46% ground ball rate, only 26% line drives, 18% fly balls. Uh, so be looking to see him lift the ball a little bit more consistently to see that uh, exit velocity climb a little bit, see that batting average climb a little bit. But we did see him walk uh, a little bit more effectively last year, uh, eight walks uh, in only 35 games. Uh, still looking for that plate discipline to arrive, but uh, with with all the tools we've seen in the minor leagues, I think that's on the way. Um, there, there's just a ton of love, though. There's a ton of love about him in this lineup, especially a lineup that we expect to feature: Anthony Rendon, Walsh, Otani, Trout. If if he can make an impact, if he can hit somewhere around these guys, the results are sure to follow. Uh, the extra base hits will follow. The runs will follow. Uh, especially the RBIs if he's hitting behind these guys. So there, there's a ton to love. I, I don't know where he's going to be hitting yet. Uh, Tyler, maybe you can expand a little bit about where you've seen him hitting in the lineup in spring training. But I, I like a lot about him, and I expect him to certainly outperform some of the projections that are out there from Zips or wherever you look at. Yeah, I mean, I've, I've sort of seen him hit all over, unfortunately, so I don't think it's really set in stone. If if I'm a betting man, he's going to be betting at that bottom with Otani, Trout, Rendon being your first three, and then, you know, something like Walsh, you know, Upton, and Stasi being, you know, next line. But I don't think it's going to take much for him to climb up in that order if he's having success. But I do see him having a spot in the outfield this year, and I think, you know, we could see 120-plus games for him. So I think we could start to see that value climb this year. Yeah, definitely somebody that is riding my bench right now, but I did call him up. So any of those home runs and steals he can add to my lineup is definitely something I'm looking forward to. And I think he's already hit three home runs this year in spring training. So 
Uh, it's just, if you put any stock into spring training numbers, uh, you can still see the power still being there evident at least, uh, but definitely looking forward to a full healthy year of Joe Adele this year and being able to, to see him break onto the scene kind of like we've been expecting for the last couple of years. But um, I think I'm on the same page as everyone else. Uh, I expect him to exceed the expectations this year and definitely be a great hold for the future. And now let's slide to, I guess, somebody who you're also hoping to break out this year, but in a different way. And that's going to be Cody Bellinger. Uh, we have him ranked at 122 overall. And we have Tyler has him ranked at 95. I have him ranked at 142 with Test Monster being in the middle. And this is somebody who, again, we've seen the MVP season. We know what he's capable of when he's hitting the ball and making contact. But again, this spring training is looking pretty ugly for him. Uh, Tyler, what do you think about him and kind of his contact rate? Is that going to go up this year? You know, the only reason I'm, I'm putting him much higher than you guys, is you got to remember, he's only, you know, 20 six years old this year and you factor in what he did between 2017 and 2019 you know averaging roughly 34 35 home runs per you know season roughly about 195 RBIs per season and I mean it's just I don't expect him to ever be a 300 hitter again if he's a 250 hitter he rightfully so deserves to be in that top 100 because he's going to have that power follow and especially in that lineup I just think this is a player that's going to have a lot of value. So I think that contact rate is going to climb up. I think he's going to have a lot of protection around him where, uh, you know, they're going to be really aggressive after him. So I think he could get a lot of favorable pitches. So I don't know. It's, I, I hope, I hope he turns around. This is my last year of faith on him. because I have investment on him. I guess for me, the only reason I have him ranked as highly as I do is because of his age, but I'm not, I'm not holding out much of any hope at all anymore, unlike my colleague over there. Um, you, we, we've seen him uh, fail to, you know, hit water if he jumped out of a boat or whatever metaphor you want to use here. We've seen that that barrel rate consistently fall from 12 and 13% when he was hitting the ball consistently to 7% last year, which is above major league average, but not with the launch angle he's currently sporting. Uh, his exit velocity is down. Everything's down. His chase rate's up. I mean, we've seen him strike out, what, 15 times now in 22 at-bats in spring training. I mean, there, there's just not much left for me to hang my hat on. And for you to say that he's protected by a lot of bats around in this lineup, well, look at the lineups that have been around him for the last two, three years where he's had guys like Corey Seager, Max Muncy, uh, you know, insert name here. So, yeah, I don't think protection is the issue. I think he's just failing to uh, failure to thrive or whatever you want to say here. I mean, a 165 batting average in 95 games is pretty tough to hide, and it's an even uglier OPS. So I, I, I ranking him in this range, I, I'm holding out hope in a sense, but I'm not drafting him. I want no part of him. I'm not betting on any kind of a rebound that I can put any stock in. I mean, when you look at 2020, though, he still put up roughly an 800 OPS. And this last season, in 2021, we saw him face multiple injuries where he'd be back for a week, gone for a week, back for two weeks. So it was one of those things that I'm in a belief that, you know, we've seen a lot of these players go injured and really struggle until they can really get their wheels under him. And he has that type of timing uh, with his, you know, his 
plate approach that he needs to have some games under his his belt to really have success. So I'm hoping that, you know, if he stays healthy like he did in his first three years, that, that can sort of come around. Do you have any issues or concerns, Tyler, that he's, I guess, in his 26th year season, but um, is now spent the offseason trying to fix his swing? Um, I mean, and it doesn't look like it's helping. Seems like it could be something um, in his head there, too, especially striking out this much in spring training while trying to kind of make big adjustments to his swing. Is there anything there that raises the red flag for you? Oh, of course. I mean, the red flag's been raised for a long time with him. But, you know, when someone's able to put up 30-plus home runs and, and put up the numbers that he has and still be on a, a team that he's playing on with that killer lineup, there, there's there's a lot that can cancel out that concerns. But, I mean, I definitely this is the last year for Cody Bollinger for me. Anything you want to touch on at the end there, Test Monster, about uh, Cody Bellinger? I mean, I, I, I don't think there's much left to say that hasn't been said. Obviously, I've got my concerns. Um, it, 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 it's hard to say what's gone wrong other than he's got that severe uppercut, and you can see that in the launch angle that he produces. So if he's not hitting the exit velocity like he did when he was putting up those home runs, that's going to be a concern for me. Um, especially when you see him struggle with the hitters around him that he has. I mean, he hasn't been able to get on base, so he's not producing those counting stats. We saw him cross the plate only 39 times in 95 games. That's not something I want any part of. And the, the RBIs were even lower at 36. So I, I'm, I'm fine sticking stock in him one more year if you're a believer, but I want no, no part of him. Well, let's move away from the hitters now and – Let's go up a little bit to uh, Lance McCullers Jr. We have him at 104 overall. Uh, me and Test Monster have him in the 70s. And Tyler got him at 155. Is it the injuries that scare you off, Tyler? Oh, 100%. The talent's there. The team he plays on's there. I mean, you just, you, you finally saw a good season from him in 2021. And you thought he was rounding the corner. And, and then, you know, just like that in the offseason, you're hearing about another injury, and now we're seeing his start to the season being delayed, and there's belief that, you know, he might miss a good chunk of the season. But, you know, for someone that, you know, has only pitched over 100 innings once in the last three years, and even before that, he never even hit 150 innings, I just don't know how much stock I can put in him to want to throw him in my top 100. I, I'm of the belief that, you know, he's just injury plagued and I, I'm not I'm not going to keep investing in him. I mean, injury issues aside, we've also seen him be downright dominant when he can stay on the mound. I mean, you saw, you know, in a full year last year, that strikeout rate over 10, that really good home run rate, that really good hit per nine rate. Uh, the walks were a little bit above what he's produced in his career, but also not bad enough to, you know, make his whip unmanageable. Um, I think I think what I see that I really like is you, you mentioned pitching on a good team, and there's a lot to like about that, especially if you're chasing wins. Um, but also the strikeout numbers, there's a lot to like about a guy who's going to get 10K per nine. And if he can stay on the bump consistently, I mean, we, we know he's not going to do it this year with his delayed start to the year. But if he can stay on the bump consistently in his, you know, age 29, age 30, 31 seasons, there's still so much left in his career tank uh, that I, I, it's hard for me to write off a guy who's consistently performed when he's been on the bump. So 
there, there's a lot of stock I'm taking here where I would rather take him in this range over somebody like a Cody Bellinger who you have ranked similarly. So I, I think there's the, the performance is there, which I really love. And the injury issues aside, there's a ton of consistent play. Um, the, the injury issue is going to be the question mark. And if he can't do that, then you're absolutely right. And he's not going to hold a ton of value. I mean, we've, we've seen it consistently since he's been up in 2015. Yeah, I, I, I guess I guess for me, I, I, I see you guys have a guy like Max Fried ranked below Lance McCullers, and I am going to buy much more stock into a guy like, you know, Max Fried, very similar age, but he's pitched, you know, for the last three seasons, he's matched innings with a lot of the veterans where he's pitched 165 innings twice. Short in season, he pitched 56 innings. He, uh, you know, his K rate's not as high as Lance McCullers. It sits right around nine per nine instead of 10 per nine, but his walk rate's much more favorable and he's on a, a favorable team. So a guy like, you know, Max Fried, someone I'm willing to throw 30 to 50 spots in front of him. And I just think that when I look at the names on the list, Lance just, I, I, it's, I, you know, test, test monster, we've talked, I, I have a hard time buying into guys that are injury plagued. Yeah. And, you know, th there's, there's some stock to being, you know, if, if you're a guy who's risk adverse, McCullers definitely isn't your guy. Um, you know, there, there's also something to be said about, you know, you like Max Freed and that's fair, but I also see here that, you know, he's a guy that doesn't necessarily go deep into games. I mean, he, he averages five plus innings a start. So if the team's not up, you're not going to get the win there. You're not going to get the higher strikeout numbers. If, if you're in a league that's K per nine instead of just strikeouts, that might be something that's in your favor. But strikeout numbers, he's not going to pile up in bunches. Um, and it, he's, got a, he's got a strong whip rate. Um, but, you know, all, all else aside, you know, if, if we're calling a spade a spade, I'm, I'm going to compare them head to head. And, you know, if they're given the same inning loads, I like McCullers quite a bit more. And I'm generally on the side of uh, don't really care about injuries. Uh, like I think if you look at even like the NFL or something, the, the injury concerns of Adrian Peterson for the people who tried to avoid him and coming in being a, a dominant player in fantasy football for all those years. Um, but I'll, I'll usually err on the side and I guess we'll, we'll see that coming up in our next episode on the podcast of where Byron Buxton kind of lands in this scenario as somebody again, who can be targeted as, injury prone, but when he's on the field, he's going to be elite. So I'm usually going to err on that side of, I'm going to assume they're on the field or I'm going to know I'm going to get a uh, hundred innings out of them and plan around kind of that side, maybe draft another pitcher or another high upside pitcher later in the draft to compound for maybe that risk of him not being on the field and pitching for me. Um, so thinking about those injuries there, Tyler, what do you have any last things you want to talk about here for Lance McCullers? You know, nothing really I want to touch on Lance. I mean, I think, you know, if you're doing a yearly league, I think you have little interest in him this year, too. I mean, he's one of those guys that we don't know how much time he's going to miss. But I agree with Test Monster. I mean, there's a lot of value. He's, we've all talked about, uh, you know, if he's healthy in 150 innings in a year, what kind of numbers he could put up. And, you know, Test Monster, I know one of our uh, fantasy dynasty leagues we're in, we, we watched a guy make a, a conditional trade on the banks that he had to hit 135 innings just because it's, it's well known that there's concerns about it, but if healthy, I mean, I agree. He's, he, he rightfully earns a spot up the list. 
Yeah, and just to piggyback off of what you said, Nation, I, I know you're you're not as concerned about injuries. Um, while we're talking about it, do you, does that profile change for you at all if we're talking about a year-long Roto League versus your typical head-to-head -head format? I mean, for me, I mean, if you're if you're missing someone for half the season, there's a lot of head-to-head matchups that you're you know, going to be missing a top tier arm that you had, you invested in. So I think that can, you know, sacrifice quite a bit when you actually think about how you're going to have to compensate for someone that you put that investment in. So, you know, in like a points format, I mean, you can easily make up points a little bit easier than someone that can post a three, two ERA in a, in a roto where they're going to have to hit certain categories. You're losing a high caliber player in a points league. You can make up a, a 450 point a year, pitcher by throwing you know a 350 point pitcher out there and figuring out where to get points elsewhere so I, I think even in a roto it's even more so in my mind harder to compensate for some of those pitcher injuries when you when you throw that investment into them I think I'm gonna go the other way on you here a little bit when you're looking at roto versus head-to-head -head. Uh, with somebody with an injury concern in head-to-head -head, I think I like them a little bit more because they're gonna go out and win some weeks for you they're gonna be able to um go and put those numbers up and then you can fill in in the backside or you can stream a little bit more um, in a head-to-head -head daily league to be able to kind of make up to get individual categories versus when you're thinking about a full roto league um, you're going to have to uh, value kind of the overall numbers you're going to put up for the season and bank on that side of it and then kind of get the added bonus when you go into um, maybe pick, uh, exceeding expectations on that injury risk but on the head-to-head -head side I think um, I'm definitely somebody who, in our DLR league, uh, took Fernando Tatis because I'm looking towards the second half of the season and the playoffs and having the best team available there and then knowing that I'm going to start the season off um, without him and being able to draft accordingly there. What do you think, Tess Monster? Yeah, I, I guess I would say I'm of a similar mind. Um, when, you, when you look at those head-to-head -head leagues, I mean – Given, you know, we, we know what we know about Tatis now, and I, I think that does a lot to shape your perception. Uh, when you're looking at a guy who's had an injury history and you don't know when that time bomb's going to go off like a Byron Buxton, I think that adds a different caveat to the equation um, where, where you might have to, you know, play with, play with the numbers accordingly to, to see what you can realistically expect if he only plays this number of games or if he plays more than that. So I, I, I think that's a caveat we haven't talked about yet that uh, is definitely worth exploring. But a guy like Tatis, like you said, where, you know, you're, you're banking on that at the at the end of the year. And if you can, you know, tread water, play 500 ball until then, uh, I think that's certainly a viable strategy, especially, you know, if, if you have the lineup or whatever kind of team around him to be able to survive that. So there's definitely some credence to be given to that. I think even when you're thinking about a Buxton, uh, that's still something you can kind of plan to draft around. I mean, you might be taking your uh, fifth outfielder, sixth outfielder um, a little bit earlier, or even your your second and third a little bit earlier, uh, trying mm -hmm. to kind of negate that production and being able to make up for what you might be missing. Um, but I think in a head-to-head league, when you can just play for some specific categories, I think it makes um, for an injury concern is going to, Definitely, uh, those injury players are going to jump up my board a little bit higher than most people because 
I'm looking to kind of get the best talent out there um, on the field and on my team on when they're healthy on a weekly basis. And then from there, um, be able to stream and, and build the rest of my team later in the draft. And now let's go head over to one of the first catchers we want to talk about here, or one of the highest catchers, and that's going to be Will Smith. We have him ranked at 87 overall. We're all roughly in that same range on him here. Uh, Tyler, why don't you tell us what you like about him and how he slaps the ball? Yeah, I mean, we, we saw a sample size of him in the bigs in 2019 and then uh, also in 2020. Uh, you know, we, we saw what that power looked like. I mean, he, he, he sort of flashed a little bit in 2019, put up 15 home runs across 54 games, another eight across 37 games in 2020. Uh, but finally this year, we got to see him in a bigger sample size where he carried the load for the Dodgers behind the plate, played 130 games, put up 25 home runs, a favorable batting average, good plate discipline with the walk to K ratio and his OPS sitting at 860, which I think could even get higher. Uh, I mean, in that lineup, he's going to have good run production, good RBI production. He's just not going to hit the, you know, the steals for you in most category uh, for Roto League. But uh, Overall, I mean, I see a bigger season. I think with that DH and the the NL, I think he could easily bat one in 150 games, put up 30 home runs and a 900 OPS. So it's hard not to take him as one of your top two to three catchers in roto leagues. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, when you look at what he did last year, um, he he just does so much more at the catcher position than I think a lot of his counterparts do. Uh, you, you saw him draw a lot more walks last year, which is really exciting. Uh, if you're in an OBP league, certainly, but his 260 average isn't going to hurt you either, which is also doubly exciting, especially when you're looking at the prospect of a catcher that can hit over 20 home runs. He's in the middle of a lineup where he should be able to post, you know, 80 or 90 in each of the counting stats. Um, there, there's just so much that he brings to the table that a lot of his counterparts don't that I think that's why he his value is probably more than a you know a position player would be with the same profile. So that's that's what I like the most about him here. And Tyler mentioned it, you know, with that DH role, I wouldn't be surprised at all if he suits up for 140, 150 games this year and you know just let let his bat play. Yeah, I think that's one of the the big things with him is with that DH being there that he can go 140, 150 games this year, hitting in the middle of a great lineup. Um, even if you're not going to get the kind of JT Real Muto steals out of the catcher, I mean, he could realistically lead all catchers in runs, RBIs, and, and be right there with Salvi in home runs or even lead the league in home runs too. Um, so you're looking at, again, a young catcher that maybe should even be up a little bit higher in this list for me. I'm just banking on the fact that he's going to be a part of a good lineup and he's got a good bat. Um, for the next uh, five to 10 years coming up here. Um, anything else you wanted to touch on? Uh, Will Smith here for you, Tyler? No, not really. I mean, uh, if if it wasn't for uh, stolen bases, I mean, he'd probably jump Real Muto in my mind this year easily. And from a dynasty standpoint, I mean, it's hard not to look at a 27-year-old catcher and be like, man, he's got a long future ahead of him, especially in a lineup that has a lot of long signings and is going to be solid for a long time to come. Yeah, that's definitely um, exciting to look forward to him and to have any shares of him on your dynasty team is definitely uh, a big deal that you're looking forward to. And now let's move over to Luis Castillo. We talked about an injury risk and we got a guy right here again coming into the uh, season hurt. 
Test Monster, I know you like him a lot here, so why don't you kick us off at our number 81st ranked player. Yeah, Luis Castillo is a really interesting one to me, and we, we've seen time and time again how certain aspects of a player's profile will, you know, affect their standing on a draft board. We've seen it right here in our own DLR league where Luis Castillo, who we've got ranked where we've got him, and we're, you know, we're down to pick 90, 100 range, and he's still on the board. Uh, we, we've seen, you know, the injury slow his spring training, and we know he's going to miss a week or two, but we're also looking at a pitcher who, you know, when he's on has been absolutely dominant. We saw him start absolutely slow last year. And I know uh, Tyler's written an article about just that, but uh, we've also seen him when he turns it around, be a force to be reckoned with, especially in the second half last year, uh, looking at a guy who posts consistently, you know, more than nine strikeouts per nine innings. Uh, he's up to 10 on his career. Uh, per nine innings, uh, you know, pretty, pretty productive whip and ERA rates too. So I guess for me, the real concern is, okay, is he going to not get the wins with the fire sale that the Reds have had? But also when you're going to talk about those ratios and the strikeout numbers that he can produce, he also throws 200 innings, you know, a year when he's healthy. So there's, there's a lot for the counting stats there too. So I, I, I'm still seeing a lot of profile I like here, even if he's not going to pick up a ton of wins for you. Yeah, I mean, he, th this injury's an anomaly too, because he's not very injury prone. He, he usually is a workhorse for the Reds, but uh, you know, that we, we, we made this list before all the, you know, the sapphire cell that the Reds did. So I think that also plays into factor of, you know, even if he misses a couple of weeks, who cares? He's pretty consistent, but you know, he struggled to get wins last year. And now now on a lineup that is non-existent almost, you wonder how many wins he could even put up. So I, I think, unfortunately for him, his team has, you know, deval or, you know, brought his value down. So it'll be curious to see sort of what that looks like once he comes back. But I, I'm not surprised to see him on our draft falling down the board quite heavily. Even your dog's telling you to, to put him down the list, too, here as, as that injury picks up. You know, his name's Miller. He's a Brewers fan, and he doesn't like us talking about any National League team, so it's not a surprise there. You got to respect it. Um, again, yeah, I think this is a player who kind of realistically has slipped in the last few years in drafts, too. Um, I don't know if it was because of um, question marks on him being able to be consistent um, in years past, but... Again, having him up um, in the 80s here seems like a very safe bet. Um, I'm not as concerned with the team around him um, for the pitcher. I can take a year or two of uh, lackluster wins to be able to get uh, big strikeout numbers and, and good ERA and whip on that side of it and then see what happens down the road. Um, there's always trades and everything that can happen uh, with an elite starting pitcher. Teams are always looking for starting pitchers, so I guess that could be a surprise if he's even on the team at the end of the year. But Test Monster, is there any last things you wanted to say here about Luis? No, I mean, uh, for, for me, I guess it's a tale of two players, and it, it depends on which player you're buying into. Um, I'm, I'm not putting a ton of stock into the team around him, just like you, Nation. Uh, we saw in the second half he was a 3-1-8 ERA pitcher, and in the first half he was a 4-6-5 ERA pitcher. So it, it depends on which pitcher you're getting in any given outing. But 
Also, at the same time, we've seen him be consistently a strong starting pitcher with that elite upside when he's on. And so the, the team around him and whatever injury concern he has from this spring training is not in my mind whatsoever. And I would love for him to fall back to me in the next round because I'm snatching him off the board. And now let's go throw it over to a player we all really like and love his potential in Tyler O'Neill. We have him at 68 overall. Uh, Tyler, you have the highest ranking here at 60. Why don't you kick us off for us? Yeah, Tyler O'Neill. I mean, it's it's one of those guys that, uh, you know, there has been a lot of potential on him that uh, I think there's a lot more to be uh, played into factor there. I think from a roto standpoint, he hits a lot of categories. He's got good speed. He flashed out, finally getting 15 stolen bases in almost a full season for him across 138 games. Showed what kind of power he has with 34 home runs. Great OPS. I mean, if you're looking for a player to hit all six categories, I think this this player easily does it, and I think he's only touching the surface. I don't think we're going to see much more power, but we could see, uh, you know, a little bit, you know, more RBIs. I think he could get, you know, a little bit higher batting average. But overall, I mean, if you told me a 27-year-old for the next six years was going to even put up the numbers he put up in 2021, I'd easily buy into that. Yeah, like you said, he ch he checks a lot of boxes. He's got a nice full package that Nation likes. Uh, but even, even beneath those, you know, numbers on the surface, there's a ton of underlying numbers that really lend themselves to a ton of production here. And especially in a head-to-head -head or a roto league, if you're not worrying about that strikeout rate, which we saw be absolutely dreadful last year, you look at that average exit velocity in the top 10%, uh, expected batting average on base and slugging all in the top 10%, uh, barrel rate and hard hit rate in the top 5%. So the guy absolutely mashes the ball. And with the lineup around him, there's just so much to like. For a guy who's going to get you the counting stats, 90 and 90, he's going to get 30-plus home runs. He's going to swipe some bags. He checks all the boxes, and he's somebody that I love to continue to produce at a similar level for quite a few years. Especially in this kind of middle round or just after kind of your top-tier players, being able to slot somebody in for the next uh, five to six years and hit all of the categories, not hold you back anywhere, is a great kind of foundational building block that you're not going to have to think about, oh, if I draft him, uh, I might need to go draft some high average players later in the draft or, or something like you would need to with, with a Joey Gallo. But uh, just being able to kind of hit all the categories um, seems like a really safe pick and a really good pick kind of here in the middle of your draft when you're looking to kind of fill out your roster. And that leads us to another outfielder that just changed teams and Jesse Winker. We have him at 53 overall, all about the same again, all pretty high on him. Tyler, you like him a lot. Why don't you kick this one off? Yeah, I mean, this is someone that wasn't really on my radar last year. But uh, after, you know, the season he had putting up 24 home runs across 110 games, great batting average, great OPS. I think he's another guy that's going to hit most of the categories besides stolen bases. And, you know, he was on a pretty potent lineup in in 2021, but I think he actually might be even in a better position here in 2022. I think the only question mark for him holding him back from, you know, taking the next step is if he can play 140 plus games. So I, I think this is another, you know, slam dunk. I don't think you can go wrong with him at all. Right. There's, there's a lot to like. 
I, I think the bigger question mark for me is, can he ever figure out how to hit left-handed pitching? Uh, I wrote about that in an article earlier this winter that, you know, left-handed pitchers have really thrown him for fits, especially against those breaking balls. But he absolutely destroys right-handed pitching, and really that's where his value is. So, yeah, he might get into 140, 150 games, especially as a full-time DH. But what is he going to do in those games where he's going against a lefty where that might impact his batting average on the whole a little bit um but it, it, at the same time you know when you when you're facing most of your at bats against a righty uh, especially you know a starter you know they can throw out whatever left-handed reliever they want at you and there's not much you can do about that but most of your starts are going to be against right-handed starting pitchers and that's where he derives a ton of value you touched on it there's a lot of really nice players around him in that lineup whether it be a Thai France or uh, that nation likes or whoever. I mean, there, there's a ton of solid bats in that lineup. There's a lot of opportunities to produce runs across the plate. Uh, we're going to see a nice batting average. It probably won't be 305 if he's facing more lefties than he usually does, but we can also probably expect an OPS that's north of 900 again. So if he can, if he's consistently in the lineup, he's a great bat to have, especially in these middle rounds. Yeah, it checks a lot of those categories, like you're looking at for Tyler O'Neill as well when you can think about just slotting him in, going 90-90, and being able to, to get you a nice average and a nice OPS, there's nothing to, to shy away from and being able to to build around that going forward, especially if you're looking at a, a daily head-to-head league too for Roto and and he throws one of those tough lefties at him, you can sit him down for that day and, and put somebody else in there and not have to worry about um, going down for your average or your OPS there either. So there's always things to think about when you're looking at some of these middle-round safer players as well. And that wraps up our middle rounds here from players 1 to 150 that we wanted to touch on. Look forward to coming up for our top 50 baseball podcast and being able to tie up our whole top 300 series that we got going on here. Test Monster, what do you got coming up? Yeah, I know we're uh, planning to record that fantasy hockey podcast tomorrow. Well, tomorrow our time uh, probably won't drop immediately after this one aired, I suppose. But I've got a bunch of content ready for our viewers and our listeners, a uh, bunch of names for guys that they can find on the waiver wire down the stretch here, uh, doing some research on what schedules shape up the best down the stretch. So there's a lot to look forward to on that podcast. And like we said at the top, baseball season's around the corner. Brace yourselves for a lot of content from the Dynasty Locker Room. We've got a lot of really strong baseball minds that are eager to share some tips, tricks, and some knowledge about fantasy baseball with uh, all of the viewers and listeners. Yeah, it's definitely exciting and looking forward to, to getting into that regular season baseball content with you. Tyler, what do you got going on up here? Yep, just wrapping up my uh, preseason articles here. I'm going to have that done here by uh, April 5th, so excited to get those out. I'm sort of on a deadline season, uh, thankfully creeped up on us, so looking at finishing up my boom and bust and some uh, prospects that you might not have heard of that are going to really climb into that top 100 ranking this year. And then, uh, you know, realistically, I outside of my free agency uh, pickups on a weekly basis, I'm going to sit back, watch some baseball, and watch my uh, – teams dominate your guys's well there's always wishful thinking for that for you <laughs> uh hopefully that wishful thinking lasts more than a couple weeks into the season this time uh you know as, as always find us at the dynastylockerroom.com give us a like give us a subscribe uh and interact with us comment on any of these articles that they're posting uh, have some back and forth it's always fun so until next time 